got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. You don't got time that. All right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. I'm Derek Johnson. Along with me is Nick Springer. Hey. Happy to be with you today and this week. It's going to be a little bit of a different week here with RCST. Normal show today and tomorrow. Wednesday, we have our United Way Day of Giving. And so we're going to be interviewing local nonprofits and uh, basically having a bunch of ways to kind of talk about the community and in the local community. We and have, you can donate too. Yes, exactly. Whatnot. So it's a it's a cool event. Yeah. So we're definitely excited for it. Yeah, it's, it's for a good cause. We will maybe sneak in some sports talk here or there throughout the show, but for the most part, that's going to be it. Then we, then uh, Thursday, we're going to be out of Free State High School. It'll be a 3 to 7 o'clock show for leading up to the Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic, and then we'll air the game for you on uh, Thursday. And then Friday, we'll have back to normal, and we'll have our uh, RCST Trivia Championship and third place matchup. Starting off on today's show, we are going to be joined by David Lesky at 3.40, Case of the Mondays in the 4 o'clock hour, Hunter Dickinson audio coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, But some basketball news. I I think literally on Friday, we talked about how we felt like the offseason was pretty much done, you know? and that Okay, this has happened multiple times now, where we were like, oh, we think the offseason's almost done. Yeah. (laughs) Wrong. Well, honestly, I'm cool with it. It gives us more to talk about when there's not a lot going on right now, so I'd be fine... Uh, keep let's keep jinxing it. You know, okay. certainly KU would not add a really good the transfer. Right, is over. I'm right. declaring it certainly. officially certainly done. Certainly, they would not add anybody. They're else. not going to add anybody else. No, it's done. It's over. Yeah. Period. Now there will be nothing exciting from here <laughs> till then. Well, hopefully that jinxes it for us and, and we get some exciting stuff. Uh, but what happened? Uh, from basically Friday afternoon through the weekend. Chris Johnson out, Justin Cross in. Do you want to start with Chris Johnson or do you want to start with Justin Cross? Uh, we can start with Chris Johnson. Okay, let's start with Chris Johnson. Okay. Uh, so Chris Johnson, a four-star combo guard, somebody who um, six foot four, six foot five. Originally, when he signed with KU, it was seen as a pretty big deal. He was ranked around like the number forty, number thirty-five to number forty-five recruit in the country when he signed with KU, and it was like, if he has a good senior year, maybe he could end up being a McDonald's All-American type player that he could come in, and we've seen KU and Bill Self have so much success with those combo guard type of players, uh, but he ended up having a bit of a struggle over his senior season in high school, went to Montverde Academy, and he ended up coming off the bench. Now, Montverde Academy is like, it's loaded with D1 prospects, so it's not like he was on the bench for some kid who, you know, averaged six points per game in high school, and now he's never going to play uh whatever basketball at a competitive level again no like these are other d1 like you know power five players but still he struggled a bit in that role i think he only averaged like four points per game something like that and there were some clashes i I would say on and off the court with with maybe the coaching staff and him um and uh he he dropped a bit in the rankings i think right now on the 24 7 sports rankings not the composite just their rankings he's ranked like 70 something right now in the 70s so he dropped a little bit from where he was and he was put into a position now where if he comes to KU 
every basically starting lineup and rotation projection we've thrown out hasn't really included him as being part of the rotation. So if you're talking about somebody who it has been noted that um, he is very competitive and that he, if things aren't going well for himself or the team, at times he can maybe cause problems for the coach, I guess would be a way of putting it. Now, um, when you're doing well and you're winning and you have somebody like like Jimmy Butler, you know, he, he kind of toes that line of being someone who leads in a different, harsher way at times. But when you're winning, it's all good and well. When you're not winning then and you're not playing, then it could lead to some problems. And so if you had someone who um, wasn't really going to play for you, and you also look at it, I don't know how much he would have played next year either. Because think about yeah. it, Dewan could be back. Like I don't mean just this next season. I mean the season after. Yeah, like Dewan could be back another yeah. year. El Marco could be back. Arterio could be back. Even if just two of those three are back, it's hard for him to get playing time in the next couple of years. And you don't want somebody disgruntled off the bench. So I, I think this makes sense for both parties, even though it leaves KU with more questions about the depth of the team and, and where they go from here. Yeah, obviously at the time that Chris Johnson would have committed to KU, no Arturio Morris, no Nick Timberlake, right? El Marco maybe, I don't even know if El Marco was committed to KU at that point. I don't know if he was or not. I think El Marco, yeah, El Marco came after Chris Johnson by a couple months. Yeah. But I think there was enough there that Chris Johnson was still like, like still well, fine. you know, maybe I can yeah. play on the wing, right? Yeah, so obviously at the time that he committed, there wasn't this sort of log jam at the 2-3 position, really. And obviously Dewan holding down the one Yeah, supposedly the big move was the Morris one. When Morris happened, supposedly, and this is, uh, I think Andrew Slater was talking about this. So we, we brought up who he is before. Um, very in-depth on the uh, recruiting target. Plugged in. Yeah, plugged in. That he mentioned once Arterio Morris picked KU, this was in the works the whole way through. And yeah. uh, and even and I think even before Arterio Morris picked KU, there was that weird spat where yeah. he deleted everything from KU out of right. his Instagram social media. When stuff. it was like, "What's going on here?" Nothing ended up happening. I think yeah. looking and then back, it was, fine, and then- it was known that something was going to happen. Because think about how this went down. This wasn't just, "Hey, all of a sudden, some random day, Chris exactly. Johnson's asking out of the." It's like, no, he didn't show up. You know, yeah. when, when the kids yeah. were showing up and now he's asking out of the NIA. Which, like, my only question with regarding that is... There's some theatrics what, there. What changed? No, what changed I don't, between yesterday and, or whatever, you know, the weekend I don't think and, anything did change. So then why did he wait this long to I do it? I think this was basically him being, like, trying to stick it to the man, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like, let's say you work at a job that you don't <laughs> like your boss. Okay. And one day you finally, you know, work yourself up and you, you burst out and you quit. And then you... <laughs> I don't know, on the way out, like, I don't know. Yeah, You know what I mean? I, I'm having trouble. It depends on, like, what the job is. I don't know. Let's just say, like, you work at the, we have a Sonic right across from G. And you, okay. this is just all hypotheticals. Please don't think I'm being serious. Um, And let's say you don't like your your boss and he's scheduling you for these un, un, uh, these ridiculous things. And you got so to quit You got to make too many blizzards. <laughs> sure. That's that's Dairy Queen. Um, oh. So, <laughs> so yeah, and, and on the way out, you... Uh, have the sonic blast in your hand and you just dump it on his head. You know what I mean? Wow. Like you, That's you pretty don't, aggressive. You do, but exactly. Like you, you, you had this, all this pent up anger and instead of just smoothly leaving out, you made a big scene about it and you wanted to let the person know how unhappy you were with the whole situation in a more theatrical way. I think that was this. I think okay. basically this was... It was by the time Arteria Morris committed, Chris Johnson was never going to come to KU. But instead of them voicing that, 
they wanted some way of being like, but hey. But he's just hurting himself because maybe. by waiting because now he's – where's he going to go now? Maybe because I think in, in their view, maybe it's like a situation – and this is just me speculating here. Uh, maybe it's a situation where they view it as, you know, from the KU perspective – if we don't tell you what's going on, we're really sticking it to you because now you think your roster's set. Now you have to scramble late in the portal. Whereas for us, we are now the top available high school recruit. And like, yeah, of course there are certain teams that are but full dude, up it's on scholarships. June fifth, there, there, there's, there's still teams a lot that are already teams. filled out. I don't know, man. There's still a lot of teams though. We went over that list. They go to go to Cal State Northridge, uh, be the star of the show. <laughs> yeah, true. But no, like no, I yeah, mean, true. like like think about it. Like Baylor, Kansas State, like. And I'm not saying he's going to go there, but think about just the schools that are even in the Big 12 that are I mean, still looking for guys in the portal. I guess that's fair. I, I don't know. Like, at the end of the day, for KU, this doesn't really move the needle at all. Mm-hmm. Like you kind of brought up the fact that every roster projection we really had come up with didn't really include Chris Johnson playing that much. I mean, it was going to be it. It was going to be difficult for him to play like five minutes a game. Right. Really. Right, yeah. Right, and right. I, I don't want to be on the ha- harsh on the kid. Like I, I he has talent. He can oh, go yeah. to a new school and, and have yeah. a lot of success and you wish him well. But like, and obviously this has been KU's strategy all off season, yes. which is we're going to over recruit and recruit the best guys and we'll deal with the consequences later. Exactly. And, and the consequences consequence have been losing Ernest and Zuby and now losing Chris Johnson. Yeah. And, and I, to your point, like it's not going to make you sweat too much. I think if you're Kansas, because of the fact, view it like this. Let's say he would have come in this year and played five minutes per game. And then Do you just think he's out. sticking around yeah. after the first year? Yeah. And even if he does, then guess what? You're still behind Dewan Harris. I mean, like is we it said, Arterio. Is that or, crazy or, to or think that he would have had like an MJ Rice type season? No. Where he maybe has a couple games where he gets in, you know, in garbage time and scores 15 points. Right. But then doesn't really play at all down the stretch. And then see ya. Right. So. You know, it's it's not a big deal. The the area that it is a big deal, it doesn't affect the rotation. In theory, KU could view this as, you know what, let's just knock out all three scholarships in the same year. Yeah, they and could. They could. You know, in, in the case that what if the NCAA, the IRP, comes out whenever that ruling is, is going to happen, uh, maybe in five years from now, and they're like, actually, we're not comfortable with you only losing three scholarships. We think it should be five over three years. And then you're like, okay, great. Well, we're taking extras this year, so it's going to help us out a little bit more. I do think, though, I mean, even even when they were at 11, we had this conversation last week, I thought it made sense for them to bring in a player, if it was a player who could be an impact player, to cover you in case of like an injury to a key player, yes. like a Grant Nelson, for instance. Yeah. And I think it makes even more sense now. I mean, when you look at KU's roster – the only thing that really is would be a big issue is injuries because of the fact they only have 10 scholarship guys now. And I think it's injuries to specific positions because I think at point yeah. guard, you're I mean, pretty you, set. You could, Yeah, you could survive an injury to... Right. Dewan El rolls Marco. his ankle and he's out for a week. Like, yes, you would certainly be worse, but you still have Arterio and El Marco, yes. who should be talented You could enough. survive an injury to El Marco. You could survive an injury to Timberlake, right. probably even. And you're one in two positions, basically. Yes. But once you get to, like, the wing... Three, four, five positions. There's questions. What happens if Kevin gets hurt? Yeah. Which has happened. Yeah. What happens if if you know KJ's just it's just not really working with him on the wing, and Kevin gets hurt, and now because it's not really working with KJ on the wing, your really only true wings at that point are like Jamari McDowell and Marcus Adams. Yeah. You know what happens if Hunter Dickinson gets hurt? That's where I think that Grant Nelson makes sense because it gives you coverage at those positions. It gives yeah. you coverage at the four, gives you coverage at the five, allows you to play more of whatever Marcus Adams at the three if you need. Like it just gives you more coverage. I think. Yeah. So I I don't know how much. I mean, and I guess I'll just pose this question to you: like how much how much does Chris Johnson leaving really affect KU's mentality here? At, 
compared to like last week. Like last week when they had 11 guys, were they looking for a guy or were they seeming content? With Chris Johnson leaving, does that affect anything? Is it Are they still pretty content or now are they maybe looking more aggressively to try to add somebody? I, yeah. I don't really know the answer to that. To no, me. I mean, that, it's the ultimate question because in theory, if they viewed it as Chris Johnson wasn't going to be a part of the rotation, they might they be like, be fine. right. But it doesn't cover you of injury. And in theory, if they were viewing Chris Johnson as a developmental player, could they go out and get a developmental player to just give them a little bit more depth and develop that player? I will say this. I, I think that you need another player. You can survive with 11. If you get down to 10 and there's any injuries, you're going to get to a point where you're like, remember the 20, I mean, we're not that far removed from the 2017-18 season when KU had all sorts of depth issues. And you ended up having to bring on Silvio De Sosa midway through the semester because of all the issues you had. You don't want to be in that spot again. So yeah, and, go and, out and add someone. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a that's a great point. I mean, it it doesn't sound like that big of a difference between having ten versus eleven, mm-hmm. but you're right. I mean, if you have somebody go down or something like that, it is it could be a big difference. Right. So uh, it's this late in the game, it might be tough for KU to find that type of guy. But I'm sure they are doing their due diligence on and looking for it, and it, it might make sense. Okay, well, let's talk about KU's newest addition. That would be Justin Cross, who is a uh, walk-on addition. Um, came from the JUCO ranks. He was at John A. Logan College, which is in Illinois. Played 65 games over two years. Limited minutes per game, but that tends to happen at the JUCO level because they're trying to get as many kids on the floor as possible to try to um, get as many kids to colleges as they want. Limited points per game, like under two points per game. Good rebounder, though, like four, four and a half rebounds per game. And John A. Logan won the Junior College National Championship. Now, uh, all one guy? Yes, one guy Sorry. who's that good. Do I, you just, think, I wanted to make a joke there, and that I thought that was a good one. I, I didn't understand what you were saying at first, so the joke went over my head, so I apologize because <laughs> I probably ruined that for you. After the delay, I was okay, a little wait, nervous. Okay, quick hypothetical. Victor Wembenyama against a – I'm trying to think what level I want to go here. Victor Wembenyama against a high school JV team. He's just, just one, one of on them five. against five. Does he win the JV state championship? Does he win this? No, probably not, I would think. Because the other team could just ha- literally have one player stay on the offensive side of the court and play defense with four guys and just try to take, like, a wall of charges and just hope he misses a bunch of threes, I guess. That's the thing. Like, if Wimbanyama fouls out, is the game over? No, he gets, at that point, he gets 30 fouls. Or whatever. Wait, what? or 25 fouls. He gets a, it's How is that fair? for all five players. He gets the that allotment seem, of all five. That doesn't seem fair at all. I think I'm taking Victor Wembanyama. He's just well. If he gets 25 fouls, then yeah. <laughs> I mean, dude, okay. how ridiculous does that sound? Uh, anyway, um, Justin Cross. I. It's always funny to me when KU will like bring in a walk on, and you'll see some people talking. Uh, this is such a small fraction of people because I think most people understand it. Um, but it would be like, is this really KU material? Like, he averaged like 1.8 points per game at the Jew. <laughs> it's like, he's a walk-on. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you weren't going to get Oscar Sheeway to walk on to the program. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but he fits a certain role that you want. You you have to have a certain amount of bigs to practice well. Like, ideally, and I don't ever like to limit a kid and be like, you can never be part of the rotation. I don't know. What if Justin Cross comes in and uh, he had always been a he has good size and he just was always looking for a good coaching staff to yeah. develop him. And, I mean, physically, he, sure. he checks some boxes. And he turns into Justin Wesley, who was a, like, like the eighth man on the 2012 national title runner. I don't know. So you never want to limit it. But realistically, 
Justin Cross is never going to be part of the rotation at Kansas, and he's not going to be someone who plays impact minutes. Why you're bringing him on is to, and I, I don't say that to discount the meaning because I think it is very important. Like, whenever a team wins a title, it's not just those starters. It's not just the coaches. It is the backups. It is the walk-ons. It is the guys that are pushing them every day in practice. Those guys do matter very much. And I think that's what you're bringing on Justin Cross for, to be someone who can help you in practice. Because think about it. If you're going into practice with Hunter Dickinson, the only centers, because you're going to be mostly practicing with KJ as, as a four, as a wing, it's Hunter Dickinson, Parker Brown, and Dylan Wilhite right now. That's all you have in the center room. You need another center to go in there just to bang bodies during practice, and that's what he can bring in, and he's a good rebounder. So, cool. Yeah, no, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, listen, we just talked about the lack of depth, and to your point, it really kind of goes in two different directions. Number one, lack of depth just in terms of literally in the game, right? But also, as you were just talking about, in practices too, right? If you don't have depth of guys to practice against, then that also negative can negatively affect your team. So this this to me does make sense from that standpoint of of getting a guy who, you know, he's a walk on. I don't know what else. You know, the expectations are very low, but that that does, that's not necessarily a bad thing in terms of what he could do. So you do have that extra just you know body in there, and I think that uh, I don't I don't see how you could view that in a negative way. Like it, there's no way you could spin it negatively. At worst, it's just like, okay, we well, have another guy who never plays. Yeah. At best, it's like he does push guys in practice more and maybe it does somehow manage to get on the floor a little bit. Is there is there a limit to how many walk-ons you can have? That's a good question. I would think, well, okay, there's got to be, I would guess, I don't know off the top of my head, I would guess the NCAA has like travel rules, like you can only travel... X number of players. That's definitely a rule. There's there's two. It's it's you can only travel a certain amount of players and you can only have a certain amount of players on your bench. Yeah. So that's why if you notice like there are times when if KU's on the road or during like the NCAA tournament, you'll see like a uh, Charlie McCarthy or something dressed in, you know, basically like street, like street clothes yeah. behind the basket because they can't dress. But I guess in theory, couldn't you just have like just as have many infinite, as you wanted? Just have infinite walk-ons. Well, and if that's the case, and obviously they're, why don't they're, they, why doesn't KU just be like, hey, <laughs> We need someone to get dunked on by Hunter Dickinson in practice every day. If you're over like <laughs> six six, just come walk on, yeah. be a walk on, and you can be on. Well, the I team. guess there is a, a limit to it because they they only have so many dorm rooms in McCarthy Hall, and well, I mean, do they have to live there if they're a walk on? I guess that's a good point. Um, I and mean, also, obviously, I would get it if I was a walk on. I want to live there, but like, yeah, you're a walk on. You don't well, also they don't want to have to pay for all the I don't know food and stuff that goes with it, like. But that would be hilarious to me if, like, a team like had like yeah, fifteen just, exactly. walk-ons. Just have twenty walk-ons mm -hmm. that go in and just get dunked on in practice every day, and they just cycle through. <laughs> That'd be so like, it'd be so chaotic for like the coaching staff to deal with that many players. <laughs> I don't know. I guess football That's does it with like a hundred people on the team. Yeah, but they also have a billion coaches. Yeah, but point being, if you basically have unlimited walk-ons, then any walk-on you add ever is never a bad thing. Yes, agree. No, I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, what could a walk-on do negatively? I don't know. Okay, wait, real quick. Uh, power ranking. Rank the top one through, what I think it's ranking? five now. I think they have five walk-ons on the team. Okay. Is that right? Is it four or five? No, it's five, right? I think number one's got to be Justin Cross, right? Dude's already won a national title. I don't know, man. Have any other walk-ons ever done that? I guess you have Jank, though. Jankovic won a no, Jank has one, one national title. No, that's true. Jenks won. I think Jenks won. Jenks is won for sure. No question I, about it. I'd be tempted to go Justin Cross. I don't know enough about Dylan Wilhite. He's 6'9", 240. 
Cross two. Redshirted. Wilder Evers three. Charlie McCarthy. Dylan wow, you're not you're not giving love to Will Height. I don't even know anything about him. Dude, he in 2020 to 21, he averaged 18 points and 12 rebounds at his high school. They finished 17 and 3 in San Diego. Why was he not recruited anywhere else? Maybe he was. He was probably recruited to like some apparently he played volleyball a lot too. Maybe he had the opportunity to play like D1 volleyball or maybe he had the opportunity to play like at a D2. Dude, yeah, play some for D1, basketball. Dude, play some D1. But he was like volleyball. I'd rather just be a walk-on at Kansas, which that's some conversation for some guys, which I never blame cuz there's a lot of fun in that and you get a lot of cool free I stuff. I would have totally played um, D1 sand volleyball, 100%. Mm. Okay. Well, that's maybe not the decision he came to, and uh, <laughs> I don't blame him for it. I'm going Jankovic 1. Uh, Jankovic has got to be 1. No no question about it. Because you're right, he does have a national title. I'm going to go Will Height 2. Okay. Cross 3, and then I know nothing about Evers or McCarthy. Neither so do I. It's, it's not, I'm not even going to bother ranking them. Uh, not out what of disrespect. Mean? You're the because... one that brought this whole ranking conversation <laughs> I up. I just oh, let's rank stuff. It. Actually, well, never mind. I don't want to rank it. I don't feel com- I don't feel comfortable saying one is better than the other when then I don't know. Then why did know. you say you wanted to rank them? Well. Whose fault is that? It's mine. <laughs> Hand up for that. I had fun with it, though, nonetheless. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. David Lesky is going to join the show in about 15 minutes from right now. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in. This is RCST. You're listening on KLWN, klwn.com, or the KLWN app. And we're joined now on a Monday by David Lesky of Inside the Crown to talk a little Royals baseball. Make sure you're uh, subscribing to his Substack with Inside the Crown, and you can get stuff emailed right to you, or you can check it out on the online website. You can bookmark it on your phone, whatever works best for you. Uh, so, David, uh, Jordan Lyles pitched well on Friday. And on a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately scale, Jordan Lyles is amazing. Would you care to comment? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, based on, yeah, on the one, what have you done for me lately? He's the Royals' number two starter behind mm-hmm. Brady Singer. <laughs> and um, I don't, I will take no further questions at this time. Okay, perfect. <laughs> well, that doesn't work since we are asking you questions, so I, I hope you can make an exception. All right. Um, <laughs> well, okay, so you brought up Singer there. Pitched very well yesterday en route to the 2 nothing victory. Which of those two, which of their last start, Jordan Lyles or Brady Singer, do you think is more encouraging about future? I mean, obviously, Brady Singer matters more because with Jordan Lyles being someone who is just a short-term piece, but just in terms of what you think it could mean for the rest of their season compared to what they have done, whose performance is more encouraging? So, I mean, there are two answers, I think. Um, And one, we don't really know if it matters yet, but... I think for the season, Brady Singer, because he's the guy with the upside. I mean, Jordan Lyles, if he pitches to his upside, he's giving up three runs over six innings every time, basically. Um, you know, there might be a two-run game or a four-run game, but it's going to average out to about a four-and-a-half ERA. If Singer gets back to what he should and can be, you're talking about a number two starter, which is what he was last season. Um, he was the Royals' number one, of course, but he is number two starter in baseball. Um, but what I find fascinating about Jordan Lyles and one start, we'll, it, we'll find out if it's two and then three and then four and then eight or whatever. If Brian Sweeney and Zach Bove and Mitch Setter and all those guys, if they figured something out to turn him into something serviceable, <laughs> um, I think that says more in the long term not just this season, but long-term with these guys and anything else, because if they are able to make these changes, and, and, and it ultimately, 
it doesn't matter if, if they're still bringing in these retreads who are their number two starter. So, I mean, there, there's more to it than this. But if they're able to figure out a way to turn a guy like Jordan Lyles into something solid, which he was last year. So, I mean, maybe it's not completely fair. But if they're able to do that, that says a whole lot about what the Royals can do moving forward because it allows them to – you know, spend a little bigger in one area and, and, and maybe go a little bit smaller in like their number five starter if they have to go out and find somebody knowing that their guys can fix that picture. So we'll see. We'll see if it ends up happening. I mean, it's one start. Lyles has had good starts in his career. You know, <laughs> it's, not, it's not the first time he's been good ever. Um, but that, that could be really big moving forward. In your latest article, you wrote about the differences in the defensive me- defensive metrics in terms of how they rate the Royals' defense. What's your takeaway, and what do you believe the Royals' defense is? I don't know what my takeaway is, to be honest. And it, it's just something that, that sometimes I'll I, – I search the weirdest things. And so sometimes I'll, I'll come across something and then go, oh, I'm going to write about it. I don't know anything about it, but I'm going to write about it. <laughs> um, it. It's very odd that they are – one of the worst in baseball in terms of defensive run saved and one of the best in baseball in terms of outs above average. Because, like I wrote, it's a different denominator, right? It's runs versus outs, but one leads to the other. So it's like, um, it, it's, it's very, it's interesting. Um, I had a commenter ask, is this because they don't make the routine plays or they make the crazy plays? Um, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I think they make the routine plays, generally. Um, I think that, you remember them not making the routine plays when they don't, just like you don't ever remember that you won a poker hand with six six ten offsuit. You just remember when you lost holding aces against six ten offsuit. So, like, like that, I think that part of that is just the way your brain comprehends things. Um, so I, I don't know what to make of it. I I think that if you look around the field, though. There's an article in Royals Review today talking about. I mean, it might have been yesterday. I can't remember. Um, about how they have a good infield defense. I not quite there yet, but <laughs> but I do think that when you look at Michael Garcia, Michael Massey, Bobby Witt Jr. has been much better at shortstop this year, and then Pasquantino or Prado. Pasquantino's been okay too at first base. Um, pretty solid infield. I mean you look in the outfield. Drew Waters is good in center. Al is though when he gets back, he's obviously good in center. The corners are shaky. Um at best, but I, I think that I tend to lean more toward the good than the bad, although I, I would probably say they're probably somewhere in the middle, to be honest. They're probably average to slightly below average to slightly above average, and that, that's that's where I'd ultimately land, which is a really boring answer, but I think that it kind of encapsulates the whole the whole spectrum of their defense and, and around, around the diamonds. Sticking with a uh, conversation about the defense, Bobby Witt is putting up some really impressive metrics on the defensive side of the ball. What yeah. do you make of that? Well, I think that his footwork's better. Um, I think that he's had a year in the big leagues to let things slow down a little bit. Um, I think the Royals have a really good infield coach. Now, Ho- Jose Aguasil is one of the highest regarded coaches out there, I feel like. it's. Um, he's not talked about a ton. It's not like he's um, Ron Washington or anything like that, but um, I, I think that they've they clicked and worked really well together. And you know, I think one of the things that we as fans maybe maybe look past a little bit too much is just how 
fast the gain is. And and I think that this is a really good time of year to get a get a gauge for that because you can you can watch a Royals game and then flip over to ESPN two or whatever and see a college World Series game. It moves slower. And I'm not talking about the pitch clock. It's just everything's a little slower. <laughs> the, the the lower lower levels and then it speeds up, obviously, but the big jump, AAA to the majors, is just a huge jump in game speed. And no matter how talented you are, sometimes it takes a little time to adjust. And I, I think maybe that's part of it. I also, I've, I've written about this a couple of times, and maybe I should write about it more. Bobby Witt Jr. had a hamstring injury last year when the Royals, remember that when they were in New York? In, mm-hmm. Was it July, late July? He wasn't the same after that, offensively or defensively. And defensively, he'd struggled. So, I don't know. I don't know if that was a huge difference, but I, I wonder a little bit if that that impacted him um, down the stretch because the numbers just kept torpedoing basically for him. So I, I think he's healthy, and that plays a role too. Uh, the Royals managed to avoid the sweep or avoid getting swept uh, by the Rockies, and it was a game in which Brady Singer pitched well. He had some impressive moments from some of the younger guys. I guess in the grand scheme of things, does a game? How much does do you think a game like that matters? And maybe offering a small window window into the future of the Royals. I mean, I think it matters. Um, the biggest thing is Brady Singer because uh, they're not getting where they want to go without him, and it doesn't necessarily need to be him on the team. <laughs> they, if Brady Singer struggles, they, they he's both not good for the Royals and can't be traded. And I, and I think that Brady Singer is an interesting name to watch at the deadline. Um, I would put the odds pretty low that he gets hurt. I think I did put the odds pretty low last week when I wrote about it. But um, he, he he's the guy who can who can shift a lot of things. Either he's a top-ish of the rotation starter, or he brings back three prospects. And, and you know that that that's that's huge for this team. And so I, I think that. I think it's important for him to pitch well. I also I, I think it's important for the psyche that they they got a lead, they caught scratched and caught a little bit, held on to a lead. Now they they've held on to a lot of leads this year. I mean, they, I think they've only lost. I think Friday was the second game all year they've lost, and they led after six. So, but they the bullpen's been pretty good. Um, I mean, I, I think at, at least the A bullpen has been pretty good. So, not not as huge of a deal, but I think to be able to win that game two nothing. That's a game they've lost a lot this season. And um, I think Mac Quattrero managed a really good game, honestly. I, I think it just all kind of worked together. The offense wasn't working, but they just missed enough. I think it, it was it was a good win. Um, you can check out that article where he was uh, mentioning the Brady Singer thing. I think 10 to 25% was the bucket you put it in for uh, him to be traded uh, on Inside the Crown. We're talking with David Lesky here. Uh, meanwhile, on the farm system, is there any players that, that we should be keeping an eye on? I know obviously the one that a lot of Royals uh, fans are, are looking at right now is Frank Mozicato, who is having kind of a breakout season. He's now going to be out for about a month with an injury, but uh, you're talking about ridiculous numbers that he's putting up down there. Still doesn't have you know elite stuff or anything, but it, he's still striking guys out at a pretty incredible rate. So I don't know. Is there anybody that, that you're kind of keeping an eye on, including Mozicato down on the farm? Yeah, I mean, there's a few guys. Anthony Benziano just got promoted. He's made three starts. He had a really good one yesterday. Noah Cameron got promoted to double A. Um, I think he pitched yesterday or Saturday. I can't remember what, which day it was, but um, he's been pretty good since he's got, he has got promoted. He had a rough start his last time out, whatever it was. Um, but his stuff was really good. Um, 
You know, I, I think there, there's just a few a few arms who have been interesting. David Sandlin, Mason Barnett, uh, both draft picks last season, I think. Yeah, um, <laughs> Chandler Champlain is a guy who I I've been fascinated by. He came over in the Benintendi deal, and he was kind of the third piece behind Beckway, who has been terrible, and TJ Sikama, who's been fine. I mean, he's just been kind of whatever. Um, but Champlain's been really good in. Uh, quad cities, and I think it's time for him to go double A also. So, I mean, on the pitching side, those guys, and offensively, you know, it's, it's kind of the, the names we've heard a lot about. Samad Taylor has been good. Nick Lofton is now on the injury list. He's been pretty good in triple A. Um, I'm really encouraged by Gavin Cross, who the numbers aren't there, but the power is finally coming in high A. He's had a lot of home runs over the last two or three weeks, but. Um, too many strikeouts early. From what I was told, the Royals were working on a little bit of a hitch in his swing, trying to move that out, and I think that that caused him some issues. And that, that That's one of those things. You look at minor league numbers, it's difficult sometimes because you don't know what's being worked on um, because the minor leagues are not necessarily for winning. They're for developing. So sometimes you're going to send the guy to the plate and say, this, you're not comfortable with this. We don't care. You need to get comfortable, and if you go 0 for 50, you go 0 for 50. Um, and so he's it seems like he's coming around a little bit. If and when he takes off, he'll move fast. I mean, he's a college guy. He's 22. He should probably be in double A right now. Um, they obviously made the right decision to put him in high A, the way he's hit this year. But he, he can move fast. And there, there's some encouraging players uh, throughout this. This one, I'm missing somebody. But it's, it's not, uh, you know, you look up and down the system and, it's not going to rank especially well. I think there's some prospect bias. I think there's some legitimate reasons not to rank it very well. But there's some talented players, and they have a chance to to, to supplement what they have at the big league level, and, and maybe not need to go out and get a ton. But I mean, they'll still need to go get some outside people. It's not maybe not a crazy number. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, certainly if Asa Lacey ever figured it out, that would be very helpful. But, you know, go, circling back to Mozakaro here. Sorry, yeah, heard. right. <laughs> no, I, th- I think, uh, gosh, now that I think back on it, that draft ended up being kind of a disaster, right? I mean, Austin Martin has struggled having any power in the minor leagues. Yeah. Heston Kirstad is, is finally, I think, making it up to AAA. Um, so I guess the the correct answer on who the Royals should have taken there was nobody. Um, right, but, they should have passed. Yeah, right. Money. <laughs> just yeah, yeah. Just uh, we'll 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 use it later. Um, Frank Mozicato though, what what I don't understand here, he has a forty percent K rate, and he's throwing fastball. You know, it's it's. I, I think I, I saw at the beginning of the season he was getting to maybe ninety four at times, but he's still now pretty consistently sitting eighty nine to ninety one. I, I don't understand. Why why are the strikeout numbers the, the way they are? Is that not something that you would project if, if he makes it to the majors? He's, he's got a really good breaking ball. Um, his changeup is pretty good. Lefties are different, though, right? I mean, you don't, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's the angle or what, but lefties don't, it helps, but lefties don't need to throw as hard, I feel like, as righties. Um but, you know, part of that is, is a big reason why I've been really not understanding why he wasn't moved up to high A, because he's clearly just too good for low A. I mean, these, I think back to, I guess it was 2011, Danny Duffy was, and this is fairly different, but Danny Duffy was getting a ton of strikeouts in AAA. And it was, you're looking at the numbers and going, how is he not up? How is he not up? He finally comes up. And I say finally, I think it was like mid-May. So it wasn't like we actually waited long. It just felt like forever. 
Um, and he couldn't throw strikes. And different time, we would have known this as, as fans now, but people started saying, well, yeah, he was getting swings and misses on pitches big leaguers aren't going to swing and miss at. They're just not going to swing. They're just going to take it. So, so all these strikeouts he was getting were ball two in, in, in the big leagues instead of strike three in the minors. And so I, I, I think that a guy like Mozzicato pretty clearly doesn't, you know, doesn't, doesn't have any problem getting hitters out in Moe. <laughs> and uh, the injury, obviously, is going to change some things. And, but I think when he comes back, I think they should just bump him up right away just to see where he is. I mean, maybe give him a start. That's fine if you want to see how he is after, after coming back from the injury. But um, I think he's got to move up just to see, you know, what do you need to do? Do, do? do you need to find a way to add two miles per hour? It wouldn't hurt either way, to be honest. But, like, how, how is this going to play at higher levels? And the only way to find that out is to put him at higher levels. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, uh, they're they're playing the Marlins now in, in a series starting today, and with Jorge Soler hitting very well at the moment for the Marlins, I mean, he just had a, a really hot streak as of like a week or two ago. Um, looking yeah. at, at what he's been able to do now with the Marlins, and obviously when he, he got to the Braves and, and helping them win the World Series when the Royals first traded him, should there be more credit in like a bad way given to the Royals for messing something up there? No, I don't think so, because, I mean, obviously they were the ones who got out of him in 2019 when he had the 48 home run season. And then in 21, it's so easy to forget this because he went to the Braves and just went off. The reason they were able to trade him is because he worked with, now with the White Sox, Mike Tozar, um, who was part of the Royals hitting staff, to get back on track. He hit like six homers in 10 games, and that allowed the Royals to get anything for him because he was just, he got himself into a big mess. Maybe the Royals were part of that too, but... I think that it's important to remember the Royals got him out of that before he went to the Braves, and then he just kind of continued that when he got to Atlanta. Okay. Well, I, I just wasn't sure if, if it should be viewed at all with, I guess, hindsight goggles of like, wait, why was he so bad with the Royals? Was it something that they were doing to kind of mess him up? But uh, I, I guess it'll be kind of cool to to see a, a former face on, on the other side yeah, of things. playing tonight. Oh, well. That's no fun. Well, maybe maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. Um, <laughs> I guess we'll wait and see. Schumacher needs to be needs to answer questions. All right, I yeah. need to hear why he's not letting Jorge Soler play against the Royals. Yeah, that's that's pretty rude if you ask. He's me. afraid. <laughs> maybe he'll bring him in for a pinch hit opportunity. Who knows? Um, yeah, uh, so who would who would be your player of the week for the past week? Good. Uh, there's a lot of options actually this week. Nick Prado is probably my answer. He hit three sixteen. Uh, with a 161 way to run straight plus. So he's he's probably the answer. For a week, it's always easy for a hitter. But, I mean, you got to also give some credit. Mike Myers with his six almost perfect innings. Um, he was really good. Oh, I guess we talked to him since we talked on Tuesday. But Brady Singer was really good. Also, Michael Garcia, Michael Massey, and MJ Melendez. Those three had really good weeks, too. So Lots of good options in a two-win week. Did they win two? Yeah, two, two and three because they had the double off day. Um, but I, I think Prado's the guy. He's he's been like kind of quietly really good, and maybe we should be talking about that more. <laughs> yeah, and we we probably should have talked. I, I'm glad you brought it up because he's been hitting leadoff too in, in a lot of these circumstances yeah. where that's very interesting to have him at the top with with how he's been doing. So uh, we'll he's have to bookmark Alex that. Gordon is at the top. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, keep that in mind, and, and we'll leave that as a little bit of a teaser. Maybe we'll talk more about that next week. Maybe David will even write something about it on Inside the Crown this week. Make sure to subscribe. David, appreciate the time as always, man. 
Absolutely. Thanks, guys. All right. That's David Lesky inside the crown joining us earlier or here on uh, Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. One hour down, two to go. We got Case of the Mondays coming up next. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Tough getting out of bed this morning after your weekend long bender. I got to get out of here. I think I'm going to lose it. Uh oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Instead of focusing on Monday, it's time to rehash the glory days of the weekend that was right now on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're freaking me out, man. I got a massive headache. Okay, let's just calm down. How am I supposed to calm down? Look around you. With Derek Johnson. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. All right, that time on a Monday for Case of the Mondays here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk and KLWN. Are you having a Case of the Mondays? Uh, no, mon- today's been fine. It's been, it's been fine. Nah, it kind of sounds like you're having a Case of no, the Mondays. It's fine. It's no. been fine. No, 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 listen, listen, listen. You know me. Mondays are not the worst day of the I know. week. It's Tuesday. But you, the way you answered it, I don't know. No, Monday, today's been a fine day. I think I might next week. This week, we have a lot to look forward to, a lot going on. Next week is going to be like a truck hitting you on the way into work where it's like, oh, no, what are we going to talk about? But that is neither here nor there. We have no issues. We always do. Talking about somehow. Every year we get through summer, and I'm like, how did we make it through? But we did. Okay, uh, first up, in case of the Mondays, this week is ACLs. Who needs an ACL? Shout out to Juan Blair, man. Juan Blair. Do you remember Juan Blair? No. Ah, Nick. What? I hate you right now. I don't remember. Dewan Blair is one of my favorite college basketball players of all time. He uh, played at Pittsburgh, six foot seven, like two hundred and sixty, like big, big dude. Why would you think that I would remember this? I don't know, because he's a really good college basketball player, like 2009, 2010 range. I don't okay. know. Okay. Um, unbelievable player in college. I remember there was a game where he played against like seven foot four or however tall he was, Hashim Thabit, and he had like 20 and 20 against him, playing directly on him. And they like won a game at UConn, who was like number one team in the country or something. Anyway, neither here nor there. He doesn't have ACLs. Um, what do you mean he doesn't have ACLs? He's just born without them. I didn't even think that was possible. Apparently it is. <laughs> I, so I anyway, had no idea. Uh, beyond that, I, first of all, I don't believe you. That he wasn't born with ACLs? Yes. Why would I lie about that? It seems something you would lie about. It seems like something you would <laughs> lie about. I mean, maybe like off air, but... Um, oh, no, he he was born. Okay. I was wrong with it. Wow, you were um, lying. But he was... red-handed. Well, no, he ended up not having them. I just thought he was born without them. He was uh, left without any ACLs in his knee after a couple surgeries in high school. But, okay, I don't understand that. I thought the ACL was like... Is it not a, a important ligament in your I, knee? Of course it is. He can't really jump, and he's not very like quick. That's why he didn't have like a long NBA career. Um, that doesn't make any sense. I don't know, dude. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but it happened, and he made millions of dollars in the NBA, and there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, MJ Metz, he is a baseball player for Duke. He tore his ACL, and then nine days later hit three home runs in an NCAA tournament game. Take that, ACLs. Wow, very impressive. Okay, this actually makes sense, though, because to swing a baseball bat, you don't necessarily need, you know what I mean? You don't necessarily need, like, that that thing that ACLs give you. I think ACLs just, like, they're what lets you, like, cut, sort yeah. of. You know what I mean? Or, like, like plant laterally. on your knee. Right, right. Yeah. So I think in terms of hitting a baseball, you could probably do that just fine. Yeah, I would assume so. Uh, Duke is still alive right now. They're playing Coastal Carolina 
in a elimination game to see who's going to move on and play, uh, I think, Virginia in the next round. But three home runs, nine days after tearing an ACL. That is uh, pretty incredible. Um, Come back to me when you hit four home runs, bud. <laughs> okay. Three's not impressive <laughs> to you? Enough people do three. All right, back to your favorite guy, New York Mayor Eric Adams. Ah, yes. He's having noted a case friend, Monday. Noted friend of me and of the show. So this is a uh, New York Times article um, that questions whether Eric Adams really knows. Because apparently he talks about like skateboarding and stuff and uh, whether he inflated his estimate of Yeah, so in costs. the article, it's the way it's described in the article is that he sort of casually mentioned that he used to be a skateboarder mm-hmm. and that he, quote, knew a few tricks, whatever that means. But and he apparently he had a brief then, attempt. Yes, and then he like attempted to get on a skateboard and he didn't. It wasn't very impressive. <laughs> yeah, he also tried to put pressure on federal officials to help pay for what his administration is estimating will be 4.3 billion dollars in migrant-related costs by next summer, even though the Independent Budget Office has said the price tag should actually be between 2.7 and 3.7 billion. Maybe he's going to use that extra billion dollars to learn how to skateboard again or buy the nicest skateboard he can find. First of all, were you? did you ever skateboard? Not really. I, we had one growing up, but I just never really got into it. I what just, was the name of those little mini finger skateboards you could use? Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, Where I know you exactly like, what you're you talking like about. little... Like with the, you know... Yeah, people would have them mini, in school and just like mess yeah, around and, like and then they'd get like cool banned from school. Finger tricks and stuff with the... I know exactly what you're talking about, but I do not remember the name of them at all. It was like... They also had ones where, like, you could, the skateboard, the little mini skateboard was magnetic, and you could buy an action figure that would, like, stand on it. Okay. And then you could, like, do stuff that way. Yeah, super popular in school. You just mess around on your desk and stuff with it and do, like, little ollies or flips or whatever. Yeah. But you couldn't do anything actually, legitimately? No, I couldn't. I I remember taking it a couple times and just literally sitting on it on a hill and just riding down. I I I was more of a scooter guy. I had a scooter. The little razor scooters. So you uh, have then, experienced then, much pain to your yes, shins. Yes, exactly. <laughs> then my shins and heels would experience extreme pain when I slammed into something. I was always a bike guy. I was more of a bike guy. I like bikes. My bike got stolen, actually. Oh, no. When I was in, like, sixth grade. What? Somebody stole my bike. Somebody stole a child's bike? Yes. Like, I rode my bike to a friend's house, and I just, like, left it in the yard like I always did, and I came back, and it was gone. Wow. What did your parents say? They were just like, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember. I do remember I didn't get a new one for a while, though. Mm-hmm. Because you need to be yeah, more somebody, responsible as a child. Somebody stole my bike. Wow. So somebody out there, See, and you, again, the you fact have to that live with that on your conscience for the rest of your life that you stole my bike. Because if you had a bike as a sixth grader, it's not like, a, I don't know, maybe, was it a normal-sized bike to like an it adult? A, it was a normal-sized bike. Okay. I, I don't know. It was a pretty normal-sized bike. That's messed up, man. It was white. It was white and red. Mm. Well, if, if anybody sees a white and red bike out that uh, you don't know who owns it, maybe maybe contact Nick. Um, case of the Mondays for fast food haters. What was the the one movie where the guy ate McDonald's for like uh, a month straight? Super size, super size. Yeah. This is why I have questions about this story. I'm gonna let you explain it, but I have questions. Okay. Here's the headline: Nashville grandfather reveals, which I don't know why it's important that he's grandfather. Nonetheless, uh, reveals whopping weight loss from 100 day McDonald's diet. Okay, I just don't believe this. Yeah, so he uh, he only ate at McDonald's for 100 days straight. Breakfast, only- lunch, and dinner. He boasted about his massive weight loss on the final day of the unusual diet. 
He went from 238 pounds to 179 and a half pounds. It's a 58 okay. and a half pound difference. I started reading that. Okay. Yeah. By sticking with the fast food no, joints, no, 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 fries, no. and burgers. He explained part of his secret to success was eating only half the provided food in each meal and sticking to water. So he, so what? That No, that just doesn't count. If you're not eating the McDonald's, that's not why you lost weight. You lost weight because you cut down a portion size. But the McDonald's doesn't have anything to do with that. Yeah, he probably... He cut down on weight, but he probably also went way dude, up in, like, cholesterol. What a misleading headline. Mm-hmm. Because, dude, there's he no way... He consume alcohol or munch on snacks during the 100 days. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 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 wow. He, he didn't consume alcohol and he lost weight? I'm shocked. I'm shocked by that. No, this is a bunch of BS. Give me, fa- give me more fast food. Yeah, this guy is basically trying to prove a point that... Um, it's all about portion size. Yeah, exactly. The point here is that it's about portion size. And listen, I've never been out of the country or anything like that, but I have heard from people that have been that, like, in other parts of the world, the portion sizes of food that you get is, like, significantly smaller than in America. Yes. So basically, in the U.S., you just get a crap ton of food. Well, also, in, like, there are a lot of European countries where if you don't finish your meal... And this isn't every like there are actually some countries where it's opposite, but in some European countries, like where where I went in Germany, this was the case at one place where that's um, right. I guess you were in Germany. Yeah, yeah you have to did like you try German McDonald's. Was the I, we did size, one time. We wanted to was try the portion it. size a lot smaller. Uh, I don't remember the portion size being smaller, but it was interesting. They had different stuff. They had like waffle fries. They had um, they had like their McFlurries were like the best. Ice cream, blizzard, blast, whatever you want to call it, that you would get in America. It was insane. You could get like hot fudge and whatever you wanted. It, it was incredible. <laughs> Nonetheless, we, we just like wanted to try it. We were driving through a town. We were like, First oh, all, give it. But, is, is it okay? I've always wondered this. Uh-huh. Is German McDonald's, is it just McDonald's? Yes. Does it have a different name? No, it's still McDonald's. Um, but, so anyway, like, what, but when Germans say McDonald's, do they say it like in a weird way? Oh, I don't know. I never heard someone say it. We just went there. Um, but yeah, so I mean, in like Germany, if you didn't finish your meal, somebody might take it as like, oh, they didn't like it. Like there was one restaurant where we went to sense. and it was a bit of a bigger portion. And I remember my wife didn't finish it and she was just full, but it, she loved it. Was the waiter mad? And the wa- the waiter came, the waitress came up multiple times and was like, is there anything else we can get you on the menu? Like, wow. like, what, like, like as if something was right. It's just the cultural difference. I think there are some countries where it's the opposite though, where it's like, I've heard this before and I can't remember which ones it is, where it's like, if you do finish your meal, they take it as a a negative because they feel like they didn't give you enough food. And so you're not supposed to finish. So like it's it's just right. funny, those little things. Um but well, anyways, anyways, this guy is segue. a fraud. Okay. This Nashville <laughs> grandfather is a fraud. Case of the Mondays for this guy. Yes, he's okay. a fraud. Fraud um, alert. Case of the Mondays for not binge watching a Netflix show because uh, this is going to certainly have my attention and I'm sure for a lot of people. Uh, they're going to release a show called, well, I don't know if it's a show or a, like a series or whatever. Yeah, there you go. Uh, it's called Swamp Kings, which is detailing the Florida Gators football program from 2006 to 2009 when they won a couple national titles, had Tim Tebow, had all sorts of guys who got in like legal trouble, yeah, whether it was Aaron Hernandez, Hernandez yeah. yes. Plus Aaron Meyer. Um, Urban Meyer. Uh, what was the name of the receiver who he said... He said a word you're not supposed to say, Riley Patterson or something like that. Um, Yeah, so that's going to release in August. That should be a fascinating docuseries. I don't know if we've had the discussion on the show or not, but I am not a binge guy. I don't like to binge. So you like to what? Like watch one episode? So I'll watch like, yeah, I'll watch like an episode or two max. And then I'll like the next day I'll watch another. But I won't, I can't, I don't, I'm not able to sit down and watch like 
four, five, six, Do you seven just get hours. Antsy, or is it that you're trying to like? I just, I just save it. I just can't. Well, both. I, I do, I do like to savor a little more. I like to feel like I'm enjoying it, have some time to let it marinate and process. You know, when I watch shows, but also I just can't. I, I have a hard time focusing on one hmm. thing that long. Interesting. Like I can't watch a show six hours straight. Yeah, I, I will say there are times where if, if I've tried to, so binge I'm not something, a binge guy at all. I can binge like three or four at a time. It depends on the show. Um, if it's a more dense show, like if you're watching like Succession or, or like a drama, yeah, yeah, a drama. Like when I was going through Better Call Saul and stuff, like that. That's tough to binge. You can't yeah. do it. It's too dense. There are certain shows, especially with like sitcom sitcoms. You can you can binge those very very easily, but yeah, there gets a certain point when you're watching something where it's like it just becomes you stop paying attention. You start yes, getting on your phone exactly. and other stuff, and it's exactly. like, well, what's yes. the point of me watching? And I do like to I do like to let the show marinate a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, the Seattle Mariners hitting coach is on case of the Mondays. The AL lead leaderboard for most strikeouts by individuals this season. Number one, Teoscar Hernandez. Number two, Eugenio Suarez. Both those are Mariners players. Number three is Anthony Volpe. He plays for the Yankees. Number four is Julio Rodriguez, Mariner. Number five, Jared Kelenic, Mariner. Four of the five <laughs> highest strikeout totals are Mariners individual players. That I is, think that they need a new hitting coach. That's hard to do, honestly. Very like, hard. You have to really, I feel like you have to actively try to mess that up. On the flip side the- of that, the Texas Rangers have four of the top five players in the American League and runs scored. So it's like the Rangers are what the Mariners are not. Yes, the Rangers are what you strive to be. The Mariners are what you strive to not be. <laughs> yes, exactly. In terms of their coaching. That, no, that that is pretty bad. Because, like, I mean, dude, if you have one guy or even two guys, you can just kind of blame it on them. Be like, dude, these guys just suck, right? But once you get to three, four guys, mm-hmm. at what point do you start to look introspectively and think, this might be more of a systemic issue, a.k.a., our coaches suck. Like, wh- at what point do you have that conversation? I would think they'd be having, like, if, if we were doing radio in Seattle right now, or, like, I'm, I'm sure the same way that Royals fans Was it like the Cal Aldridge Treated thing? like Cal Aldridge last yeah. year. I, that's Where it's like, be. if all of your pitchers yes. suck, then it's got to be your pitching right. coach. If all of your hitters strike out, yeah. then it's got to be your hitting coach. If it looks like poop. If it smells like poop, <laughs> probably poop. You know, if it, it's... So if we, had a, problems, if we had a Seattle radio show, and it was called... Seattle Sports Talk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we Right now, we would be saying fire the hit, hitting coach. Probably. You think so? I would assume so. And we had David Lesky's doppelganger on yeah. to talk Mariners. Yeah. And he was He'd like, be like, it's time for them to make a move. On, on inside the Mariners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh, case of the Mondays for Scotty Scheffler's putter. So, Scotty Scheffler is an unbelievable golfer, one of the best in the world. Um, you look at his run over the last, like, 10, 15 tournaments, he's finishing... Top five, top ten, winning tournaments, even ones where he's not finishing top ten, he's finishing like twelfth. He is on a heck of a run. He just finished third this past weekend at the uh uh oh, what was it called? The the memorial tournament, the one hosted by uh Jack Nicholson or, or Jack Nicholas and uh at Mirfield Village. And he finished third, finished a stroke back of Victor Hovland and uh this McCarthy guy who kind of just had like a random strong performance. Hovland ended up winning, it was a fun tournament and everything. But Scheffler finished the stroke behind, and this just shows how good Scotty Scheffler is. One of the things that, about golf is that usually the putter is like three-point shooting in basketball. Like, for the most part, if you are—like, Jordan Spieth, I guess, might be the equivalent of, like, a Steph Curry in that 
he is consistently a great putter. Steph Curry is a consistently great three-point shooter. But even for the great ones, Steph Curry will have games where he goes two of 11 from three. And everybody as a whole will have games where they're hot from three, like the Miami Heat last night. They'll have games where they're yeah. they're cold from three, right? Yeah. And so right now, Scotty Scheffler is having a very cold stretch of with the putter. He um, There's this stat called strokes gained which basically tells you how much you're gaining on the average of the field and what you're doing. And from tee to green, which involves tee shot in the fairway, everything until you putt basically from the tee shot, he gained over 20 strokes with two holes left to play, which was on pace for the most strokes gained tee to green for any player in any PGA Tour event since 2007. Yes. I have a question. Yes. Okay, so I know it's golf. Strokes gained, is that a positive? It, yeah, so it, it is a positive number. It's basically saying you picked up that many strokes on your competition. I know it is confusing. That is a good <laughs> question, though. So he did that. Now, by the end of it, he also lost 8.58 strokes putting this week. So which he gained 8.58 on shots, his basically. Correct. So basically, if, if he would have putted just average. He would have won the tournament by He would have won like the tournament easily. by seven strokes. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, just the uh, but, and, and this is a fun stat from Justin Ray. Uh, why? Why do they make these so confusing? I'm sorry. I, I don't know. Uh, there have been 309 players to lose eight or more strokes on the green in a tournament during the shot link era, which I don't know how far that goes back. I don't know. Maybe a, I think it's like 2009. Okay. Did you just guess? No, that, I think it's. Oh, on you the actually tweet. know that? Okay. I think it's set on the tweet. Oh, I don't know. Uh, not a single one of them finished in the top 20. He finished third, a stroke back. So this guy's an unbelievable golfer, but also at the same point in time, his putter let him down and did not allow him to uh, win. So Scotty Scheffler. I lied putter. about the dozen. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, where? <laughs> I thought it said on the tweet, but it doesn't. Okay. Uh, USA basketball, their World Cup roster, case of the Mondays. So Ant Edwards committed, which that's not case of the Mondays. I mean, Ant Edwards, very, very good basketball player, like well-deserved and everything. But here are the two other players that committed over the weekend to the, it's like the FIBA World Cup this summer, something like that. Yep. Austin Reeves and Bobby Portis, who, Bobby Portis, like, uh, sixth man of the year candidate, great role player. Austin Reeves, great role, he just averaged like 15, five and five during the, the playoffs, like really, really good role player. Yeah. But, but is this the best we have to offer? This is Team USA. You have 12 roster spots. You're telling me that Austin Reeves and Bobby Portis are two of the 12 okay. best U.S. basketball <laughs> I have a, players? I have a question. Okay. If a guy commits to your roster, mm -hmm. can you just tell him no? <laughs> that would be hilarious if, like, I'm, I'm trying to think of, like, a player who doesn't really play. Um, <laughs> if like, somebody goes on Twitter and Like, on the like Denver a, Nuggets. Like, Thomas Bryant doesn't really play. If Thomas and, Bryant and, went on Twitter. And he tweeted, tweeted out a graphic that was, I'm like, committed. committed to the World Cup roster. Would, and then the World Cup Twitter just responds and it's like, no. you're no. not. <laughs> Sorry. Please do not show up. No, I, I think you have to be offered it. Now, to be clear, I don't totally know if this is one of those things where it's like they bring on, say, 20, 25 guys, and then they whittle it down, or if it's just they pick the roster yeah, but think and pluck about guys it. out. Dude, LeBron is old. Yeah, he's not going to play because he doesn't want to get injured. Kevin Durant is getting old. Same Steph with like, Kevin Durant. But come on, man. There's, you can't find 12? <laughs> well, dude, we had this conversation. The top of the NBA is increasingly becoming international player. That's a problem. I was thinking about that, too, the other day where it's like, you know, I mean, all of the top players are international, basically. I, I used to get bored by the Olympics of like basketball and like events like this, rooting for well, the yeah, U.S. because the like, US they're going to win. Dominate every year. I will say, 
the beauty of it is now you do get a little bit more suspense. Yeah, now you're going to get rolled up on by a team of, you know, Luka <laughs> and whoever else, plus Nikola Jokic, yeah. plus Giannis. Like, you're, you're telling me we're, we're going to be starting Austin Reeves against Luka? Like, good luck. That ain't going to go well. Yeah, no. Last one, DeAndre Hopkins, your favorite, is having a case of the Mondays. Oh, yeah, I love this guy. So the Bills made a signing today, a one-year deal to Leonard Floyd to bring another pass rusher into the team. Now, if you would know... The Bills and the Chiefs have obviously been teams that have been talked about a lot with DeAndre Hopkins and stuff. The Chiefs obviously don't really have the cap for it. The Bills, like, barely have the cap for it. Now they basically did what the Chiefs did with Donovan Smith. That was obviously for Smith, pre-Hopkins. But um, whereas basically, like, we have very little cap left. We're going to basically use it out on this one player, which pretty much says that he probably not going to end up with the Bills or the Chiefs unless he takes a super small amount of money, which means most likely he's going to end up playing on a mid-team, which also goes very counter to everything he's been saying yes. about, I want to play yes. with a great quarterback, I want to play yes. with a great defense, I want to play Dude, with great management. spewing all this crap about playing on a great team with great management just to sign with the Lions or to sign with, you know, whoever the hell stinks, okay? I don't even care anymore. I don't want Hopkins. I've been, honestly, my stance has been pretty much the same this whole situation. I don't really want it, to be honest. I don't really care. I don't really, I don't really want it. Sorry. I think it's stupid. And, he, and he's, and again, he's almost basically crossed the line with me about this social media circus parade stuff. Okay? Okay. Uh, I'm sick and tired of it. I have one last one. This is a new one. Um, I don't even know what would be the case of the Mondays here. I guess future possibly Kansas City. Uh, Adam okay. Silver says the NBA will turn to expansion after media rights discussions next spring. I feel like Seattle and Vegas are just going to get the team, and anybody in Kansas City who's like, bring an NBA team here is just going to be disappointed. I don't know. We can talk more about that later on, but I think I think Kansas City definitely has a legitimate argument for being a top destination. I agree, but I think there's no way they're going to jump Seattle or Vegas. They could jump Seattle, I think. No, they're, they're going to want to bring a team back to Seattle after they took them away. I don't know. Uh, I think I think they have a case. I think Seattle's going to be a guarantee. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. KU Basketball has their non-con schedule out. We'll discuss that next on KLWN. Depend on it. The Kansas Basketball Non-Conference Schedule has been released. I'm Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You'll never believe who they're playing on November 1st. Who? Fort Hayes State. Dude, what? That's going to be an insane game. <laughs> uh, it'll be an exhibition. Uh, it's only oh, one what? exhibition again this year, which means that they will be doing a secret scrimmage. So I'll be looking forward to uh, whenever that happens uh, and we yes. can the overreact. Secret, the secret scrimmage talk from last mm-hmm. year was like amazing. It was. Incredible. It was wonderful. So uh, we'll have that going for you at some point, whoever they'll end up playing. <laughs> uh, with the, the first real game of the season will be November 6th, which is a Monday against North Carolina Central, who on Bart Torvik's projections for next season is ranked 258th. But I think that's one of the better ones in the MIAC. Um, yeah, that, that would put them third among MIAC so teams. What's the MIAC? Uh, mid, Middle Metro. Eastern? Middle Eastern Athletic Conference? <laughs> Middle Eastern? You think they're... In, oh, oh actually, you no. were close. Uh, Mid-Eastern Atlantic okay, Conference. yeah, that's what I said. I just, when Mid-Eastern. I think of Middle East, I think of like, oh, Egypt or something. And it's like... No, that's what I said. I said Mid-East. Okay. Yeah, you were right. Conference. You were right. That's what I said. Um, okay, so yeah, the, they're projected to be one of the better teams in that conference. Then you play Manhattan College the next game. Bart Torvik has Manhattan ranked 344th in the country. So talk about a game that you'll have a chance to to go deep into your bench, you would think. Uh, you're playing Kentucky after that in your third game of the season, Champions Classic. It'll be in Chicago this year. 
And Kentucky, man, you look at the roster and it they're kind of devoid they're right now. We'll, we'll see what happens stink. with this Reeves kid if he decides to come back or if he does transfer, if this is just a ploy to get more money from Kentucky. I don't know. But yeah, they they uh they have a lot of talent, like a lot of freshman talent, but it's not seen as great class and they don't really have many returners. Then it's an absolutely stacked Maui invitational field. Yeah. Uh so I, I was just talking to you about this in the break. They they don't actually put like number seeds next to it, but they basically seed it out before the tournament, the the people who are in charge of the Maui invitational. Um, and that's typically why you'll see Kansas play Chaminade a lot of times that they're in it. Because a lot of times they, they, the best they team. give exactly. Um, so it is going to be imperative for you to be, be basically the one or the two, which I would imagine Kansas will be. Because if you're the one seed, you would play Chaminade in the first round, which would be a lot easier than any of these other matchups. If you're the two seed, I feel like there's a very clear seven seed. If Chaminade's the eight seed, Syracuse, who like they've not been very good, and, and I have no idea what to expect from this year's team. But outside of that, here's the other teams in the, the Maui Invitational. So you have Kansas, who's going to be preseason one or two. Yep. Gonzaga, who they'll be preseason top twenty-five, sure, yeah. probably top twenty. Yeah, I don't think they'll be like top five or ten, but they'll be top twenty. Um, Marquette, who's being seen as like a top five to ten preseason team. Purdue, who now with Edie back is a preseason top five team. Tennessee, who on Bart Torvik is you know a number top one, right? Uh, they're number three now. Number three. Um, on Bart Torvik, but I think more of the polls I've seen, they're more in like the ten to fifteen range, but still. Um, and then you have UCLA, who's seen as like a you know top twenty team. So that's a stacked field. Yes, you're going to have a first round matchup between two of those six teams. I really hope, or, or I guess four I don't want to watch KU play Tennessee. So yeah, however was, things yeah. however things shake out, I just don't want to watch that. All right, so maybe this would be my prediction right now. You have Kansas or Purdue as the one or the two, and then the other will be the other. Makes sense. So one of them's playing Syracuse, one of them's playing against Chaminade. I think you have Marquette next. Yeah, and then probably Marquette would be third. And then... With either UCLA, UCLA? or Gonzaga six. So you're playing Marquette against UCLA or Gonzaga. And then I think I think it would be Tennessee As against the other one. Four? Ten- UCLA, Gonzaga, yeah. 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 I mean, that's going to that's gonna be brutal. And then uh, Eastern Illinois. Like, there's going to be a team out of that who might go 0-3, and they might still be a top 15 team in the country. Like, that, that's pretty incredible to me. And then you're playing Eastern Illinois, who also... Uh, very bad, 351st on Bartorvik. But oh I think gosh, worse than Manhattan College. Yeah, when you're playing the Maui Invitational in Kentucky, I think it's fine to sandwich Manhattan and Eastern Illinois in between <laughs> just to like get uh, get right games, just in case you lose anything. Sure. And then the game after that, you're hosting Connecticut in the Big 12 Big East Challenge. Yep. That'll be a weird Friday night game. Probably the most highly anticipated game, maybe, would you say? That's a good question. I think that, in theory, the Maui Invitational if you played in the championship, would be the most anticipated. I mean, it's the Maui Invitational. It's during Feast Week. It's a, you know probably during like Thanksgiving and stuff. But of the games, well, it's I mean, hard to know. say the, when the Missouri's defending, on there, right? I know the, I know Missouri's on there, but Missouri is that game at Allen? I don't. Is it? I don't. I don't know if it's at it, Allen or, or it is, but it might be in the in the T-Mobile Sprint Center. I know it's not in Columbia. I know that for sure. But like the defending national champs coming to Allen, yeah. That's got to be... Might be the one. I mean, unless... If Mizzou's coming to Allen, maybe you could make an argument for that one. Mm-hmm. Klingon versus Dickinson. That'll be fun. Yeah. And then uh, you play Kansas City. Many people know it as UMKC, but they've done that whole rebrand thing where they try to go by Kansas City. Um, and then you have Missouri on Saturday, December 9th. You're at Indiana the following Saturday. And then you... Uh, on December 22nd, your last game before the little Christmas break that the players go off, you're playing Yale at home, which... 
Yale uh, is 81st on Ken Palm or on, wow. on Bart Torvik for next year. That's a little bit scary because we saw it last year. Harvard, who was fine, they weren't as good as Yale's supposed to be this next year. Gave you a little bit of a scare because sometimes your minds are looking ahead to the like little break. Yeah, that that's the ultimate. I'm already right now circling that game and going. I'm picking Yale with the point spread. <laughs> um, but that that's an opportunity for a good win. Now there is a rumor about another possible game KU could be adding at the end of December. And I've seen a couple people talk about it on social media, so I'll just bring it up. I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but I think it's fun to at least talk about Wichita State. What would you think yeah. of them adding that? Uh, I'd be fine with it. I mean, Wichita State is not going to be that good, probably. So it's, uh, I mean, I would expect KU to to definitely win pretty easily, but it would be kind of a fun matchup, I guess. Uh, I think maybe for some KU fans, they might be like, why would you give those weird Wichita State people the satisfaction of, like, even playing you? But, you know, I mean, it, it is what it is. I, mean, I think it's know. different now than what it was with Greg Marshall. Yeah. Well, one, true. like you said, Wichita State's not as good. They're ranked 94th <laughs> projected to be for next yeah, year. Yeah, they're probably not going to be that good. Yeah. Uh, the other part of it is Greg Marshall, I, I think it's pretty clear it turned out he ended up being a big D-bag. <laughs> I think some coaches knew that, but maybe it wasn't as public as us knowing about it. And so I was like, why should we help this guy out? I'll be interested to see, though, if this does end up happening. Is this a one-off or is this like a series? Yeah. Are you going to do like a come to Allen Fieldhouse twice, go to Wichita once? Are you going to do one-one and then do one in like the T-Mobile Center? Are you going to do just this one? I, I don't know. I think I that'll really, be interesting. Okay, listen. I do not like playing a bunch of games in the T-Mobile Center. I don't. I agree. Because those would be those should be home games. Yeah. And instead, you're going to go play in the Team Bowl Center. Yeah, but sometimes if you're if you're Wichita State, are you like? No, I understand. Right, because I don't, a little I don't more know neutral if, for I us. I don't know if you remember, but Wichita State that was what happened to them. They they did a they did a home and home with uh, OU like okay. a couple years ago, but they played OU in Oklahoma City. Okay, or they played OU. They didn't play them at or they played them in Tulsa. They didn't play them in. At, so I wonder if that's what would happen. I, I don't know. Just kind of interesting. So uh, we'll we'll keep an eye on that one for sure. Uh, speaking of scheduling. Uh, our scheduling this week is going to be a little bit weird, so I should probably bring this up again. On tomorrow, it'll be a normal show, three to six. Wednesday, we're going to have our United Way Day of Giving, so we're going to be talking to a bunch of local area nonprofits and just kind of uh, ways helping out in the community, and you can donate and, and have ways to help the community and uh, support in a lot of different ways. That'll be a lot of fun on Wednesday, but we won't have a lot of sports talk for that day. We might fit a few things in here or there, depending on how the timing all kind of works out. Thursday, we're going to have our live show at the Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic. Uh, we'll be out there at Free State High School from 3 to 7 o'clock, and then we'll air the game immediately after at 7 o'clock here on KLWN. Friday, we have the RCST Trivia Finals between Isaac Henderson and Justin Nichols, and then the third-place game between Brian Rainey and Kyle Martin. So this should be a fun week. Yep. Both, both uh, all I guess all four teams that are or members that are going to be playing in the RCST Trivia Finals and third-place game have a chance to maybe clear their minds a little bit, get some extra rest and practice in ahead of the final, ahead of the championship. That could be good or bad. I don't know. We'll see. So uh, that's to be on the lookout for this week, as you also have things to look out for the rest of the year with KU Basketball in their non-conference schedule. All right, we're going to take a time out here. This is RCST with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson on KLWN. Depend on it. Five o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. The Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Uh, the news from the weekend, KU adding a walk-on, Justin Cross, and losing a 
a uh, player who they were supposed to get in the freshman class with Chris Johnson. We talked about it earlier in the show. You can check anything you missed on the Best of RCST podcast, but uh, I believe Chris Johnson has, has released something on social media. Uh, yes, he put out a statement on social media. said, first, uh, I need to thank Coach Self and the entire Kansas basketball program for their consistent support. Over the past several weeks, I've struggled internally with my initial decision and reached a point where I wasn't completely comfortable. I am very aware that timing of this decision is difficult both for myself and Kansas, but I strongly believe it's the right decision for all parties. I've asked Kansas to be released from my national letter of intent with the purpose of reopening my recruitment. Okay. So we'll see where he ends up. Yeah. All right. Uh, we have a, another edition of the Stupid Scale, and then we'll get into some Hunter Dickinson audio. First up on the stupid scale for this week. Do we need to re-explain the stupid scale? Yeah, sure. The stupid uh, scale is on a scale of one to stupid. How stupid are you? Period. I think it's officially one to ten. No, one to stupid. But that could be anything. That's the whole point okay, of the stupid all right, scale. All right. one, one to stupid. How stupid is either this person or what, yeah, the situation, this thing. whatever it might be. Sure. All right. First up, the Buffalo Bills are being tried on the stupid scale. They gave hey. Ed Oliver who is a defense tackle they drafted in the first round, has been with them ever since, I don't know, as of like four or five years ago. Uh, they gave him a four-year, $68 million extension. Let me just read off for you what Ed Oliver has done, because he's been a solid starter. But uh, last year, two and a half sacks. Over four seasons, he has 14 and a half sacks. He has zero Pro Bowls, zero All-Pros, a 68.5 pro football focus grade a season ago. Okay. In a vacuum, this is definitely stupid. But I'm going to give you a well. well what zone. on the scale of one to stupid, though? It's it's, it's like an it's like an eight on the stupid mm. on one to stupid. Okay, but let me give you a bit of a spin zone here to maybe give the Bills some logic here, and maybe it makes it actually kind of smart what the Bills did. The Chiefs are in the midst of attempting to negotiate slash sign one Chris Jones to a long term extension. Probably what's end up going to be the second richest contract they've given out in in the history of their entire organization behind Patrick Mahomes. Okay, they are in the middle of trying to figure that out. Well, eventually third once they have to uh, pay Tommy Townsend. Oh, you again. mean I? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Oh no, you mean Justin Ross? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So so anyways, that's what the Chiefs are trying to do right now. Okay, Chris Jones, defensive tackle, Ed Oliver, defensive tackle. So what if? The Bills are like, you know what? Ed Oliver's pretty good. Not great. He's he's solid enough. But we're going to pay him as if he's a, a top 10 defensive tackle in the league to intentionally drive up the price of what the Chiefs are going to have to pay Chris Jones. So the Bills are playing the long game. The Bills are saying, if we can force the Chiefs to pay Chris Jones an exorbitant amount of money, that means in the next couple years down the road, the Chiefs are not going to have as much money to possibly sign other guys or make other moves, a.k.a. guys like DeAndre Hopkins. I feel like that would be such a dumb move to make if you're afraid. I get what you're saying, though. Um, but it's something that I think the Bills could reasonably do. I don't I don't think it makes sense for this one, though. Because, Chris, when they're negotiating the contract, I don't think the agent is saying, hey, Ed Oliver just got this, and we think Chris Jones is worth two Ed Olivers, so you have to give us <laughs> double the money, you know? I think what the agent is doing is saying, we're not even looking at Oliver's number. We're just looking at, I, I don't know who the second highest paid. Is it Jeffrey Simmons now or something with Tennessee? I think or, it's a, yeah. Or, uh, isn't, isn't it um, the guy from Deron the Payne. Eagles? Oh, oh uh, not Fletcher Cox. Um, the guy who just was on the Eagles and he got signed by, I think, the 49ers. Uh, Hargraves. Yes. Hargraves. Yes. Could be him. I don't know, whoever, whoever it is. 
I think that the agency is just saying, let's start there. They're just pointing to that number. So they're not even, they're I don't not even, even think considering at all. No, I don't. So basically what you're saying is it's even stupider that the Bills thought they could sign Ed Oliver yeah. to make an impression on the Chiefs I and guess. it didn't do anything. I guess. And, and here's the thing to me. like, So the Bills are even stupider than I thought they were. Like, I think Ed Oliver's a quality player. He's a good player. He's a good player. He's a good starter. Is he a top 10 defensive tackle? Probably not. He's getting top 10 defensive tackle money. So I, I think it is a little bit stupid. It has to register somewhere. Where exactly? I wouldn't go as high as 8. I'll go, see, for me, stupid on the stupid scale is like a 10. Okay. No, um, sure, fine. Yeah, it can be whatever you define it to be. That's, I, the, fun of, that's, the, that's the joy of the scale. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I would put this at like a five and a half. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What if what if, what if I told you that it was true that they were trying to force the Chiefs to pay more for Chris Jones? Then I would put, put this Chiefs, at an eight. See? See, exactly. But it didn't work. Yes. But it doesn't work. Yes. It that makes make it, it a lot more, more stupid. The UEFA Champions League final is this Saturday. Um, it is Manchester City. I think it's against Inter Milan. And, uh, you know, the Champions okay, League final, sure. always a big thing. Yeah. Uh, Man City is going for the uh, the, the quad or, or whatever it's called in soccer where you win, like, all these leagues. You win these tournaments and blah, 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 all this stuff. Okay, yeah. Um, You're going to have to explain this one. Or maybe it's the treble, whatever it is. So, nonetheless... The UEFA Champions League has a format where they have a bunch of groups and they have group play. So you play every everybody twice, sure, yeah. once at home, so once on the road. Like the, yeah, okay, yeah. Kind of like the World Cup, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then the top two teams of every group make it through to the knockout stage. Makes sense, yeah. Which That's is like the World Cup. 16 teams. Yep, yep, that makes sense. You're, but then I'm, what I'm, happens, I'm following. I'm unlike following. the World Cup, is that they do what they call braces. So it's, it's okay. a two-game set. So in the round of 16... Right. Instead of imagine in the Sweet Sixteen, okay. if uh, instead of one game you just played two, except the games are on a neutral you, field. Why wouldn't you just play three? Well, here's I I agree, but <laughs> so they do they go one game at one team's home, one game at another's home. I think they just don't want to give like unfair to one. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I, I agree okay. with you. And what they do is they do aggregate goals. So it's so on you play aggregate two games. So it's like in the NCAA tournament, you play two games, but it's just whoever can score the most points with the two games. Correct. It's not about who wins one, who wins <laughs> the other. If one team wins game one seven to zero and then loses game two six to zero, they win on aggregate goals seven to six, right? <laughs> so it's it's kind okay. of a silly way of doing that's things. Pretty dumb, yeah. Yeah, but that's how they do the round of sixteen. Okay. That's okay. They, that's dumb, but I understand. I'm right. following. Because they're basically trying to create, I don't know, but that in and of, it, of itself on the stupid well, scale is like a two or three. Well, here, here's where I would really get you with this. the The rule is because you, you didn't, I don't think you realized this yet. What happens if they're tied on aggregate goals? Oh, what so happens? What does happen? Well, that's why you play three games. It's whoever scored more road goals. That is the Advances stupidest on. thing I have ever heard in my entire life. And then life. if it's tied, if both, like, let's say both games were zero zero, both games get into, one. This is why I can't get into soccer. What what are we? What, I mean, what are we doing? Yeah. What what is going on? Then at that point, I believe you go to penalties. At that point, um, so nonetheless, that is the format. You play the two games in the round of sixteen. You play the two games in the quarterfinals. You play the two games in the semifinals. Okay. Why for the finals does it go to one game? So wait, you're saying they do the two in like the round of sixteen? They do the two again in the round of eight and what round of four? Every elimination round is two until the championship, which they change it up. Imagine is the championship just like one game? Yes, it's just one game on a neutral field. So what is? What is that on the scale of stupid scale? Because I think that's dumb. That that's would be like dumb. the equivalent no, of in the NCAA tournament being like, all right, we're only going to play one half of basketball for the championship. <laughs> it's like, what? 
Why are we that's, changing? That's, that's pretty stupid. It, it's definitely, it's got to be at least a four or five. Yeah, it's I don't think this stupid. is like the most stupid no, thing. No, I mean. Definitely. Well, and also like I just, I got, listen, I just got to be honest. I don't really care that much. So. <laughs> this <laughs> could have been on Dewey Give a Believe. <laughs> because I don't really care that much. <laughs> That'll be tomorrow. It, it, the, you know, it, I, <laughs> that affects the stupid scale. Okay. The how much I care affects the stupid That's scale. That's fair. Everybody so it goes down to like four or five. I think it's even more stupid than the Ed Oliver thing, so I'll give it a six as opposed to five okay. and a half. It's definitely stupid. But. All right, stupid scale here. Uh, Indiana's Tyler Cerny missed the regional championship game for Indiana in the NCAA tournament. This is for baseball because he was suspended after uh, Indiana hit a home run in a previous game. And if you notice in college baseball, if somebody hits a home run, like the whole dugout will come out of the up the steps yeah, basically no, yeah, they, and yeah. greet him. Yeah, that's that's one of the cool things. And so about that's college. okay, but apparently what you can't do is bring a prop onto the field. Like you can have your props in the the dugout, you can't okay. bring it onto the field. And he did. He had like one of those the chains that he tried to put on his yeah, helmet. Yeah, I'm watching the video now. So somebody, it wasn't even him. No, one of his he was trying to put it on his chain. teammate for hitting the home run. Yeah, and he got suspended for it, and he missed the okay, game. Okay, this is pretty stupid for a lot of different reasons. So this would be like the equivalent of like the Georgia when they get a turnover they have like the spiked yeah like football shoulder pads yeah if that guy tried to play in those <laughs> could you imagine dude <laughs> oh my gosh or I like uh, you know the bringing the turnover chain out of the field this is pretty stupid very stupid okay uh, for what Listen, it's worth I don't really I don't I have a hard time blaming the kid I do right? too because you're hype you get excited you want to you know. Get pumped up. Your guy just hit a home run. Run out there. Right. Celebrate. Right? Well, it's like if, if he took, let's say they had like a, uh, I'm trying to think like well, some of the, the unique uh, celebration ones. Like let's say, I, I forget what MLB team did it, but they had like a home run beer bong. It was a fake beer bong. They didn't actually like have the player <laughs> chug a beer. They put like water in it or something. Did you see that from earlier this year? Uh, I don't remember. No. Uh, oh, gosh. Which team was that? Was it college or was it? It had to have been a pro team. I feel like a college like coach it, would have got too yeah, mad I feel about like it. it. It was the Orioles. At the beginning of the year, they had a beer bong, and they put, like, water in it. And okay, It'd yeah. be a celebratory beer bong, right? Cool, yeah. Or Gatorade cool. or whatever they wanted yeah, to. Yeah, that, that's cool. Um, it's, it's not like he did that and went out on home plate and sat on one knee and, like, did it in front. Like, he just put a, tried to put a chain on. That that sucks. Yeah, it's pretty stupid. I think the stupid scale really here where it registers is that the NCAA yeah. enforced this rule you this know strictly. The more I think about this, um, so the this NCAA. segment could be sponsored by the NCAA. <laughs> Because like we could have so many could things, be. a so lot many things of on stupid there. things with the NCAA. I'll give this one a six and a half. Uh, I'll give this one like a five. It's a stupid rule. It's dumb. It's dumb that they enforced it. But yeah. like, I don't know. I, I, again, I don't really, I don't really care that much. Okay, Peter Schrager of uh, NFL uh, Network. I, I like Peter. I, I like his work. He's always very good in a lot of social media stuff. But uh, unfortunately, we have to put him on here. Uh, this is his top five breakout receivers on Good Morning Football for 2023. Number one, Garrett Wilson. Yeah, makes sense. Sure, had a good fine. rookie year, and now is Aaron Rodgers. Although, could he really break out if he had a great That's rookie true. year? But maybe break out to being like a top five receiver? I don't know. Sure. Okay. Uh, number two, Chris Olave. Good rookie year. Fine. Sure. Uh, three, Drake London. Same thing. Number sure. four, Tycon Thornton. Had some flashes. Sure, like makes sense. Former okay. second round pick. Speedy fine. guy. Number five, Justin Ross. <laughs> the hype has gone too far, Nick. Dude, the chief social media propaganda machine is working, man. Oh, my God, dude. Justin Ross, we don't even know if he's going to be on the team. No. He might not even make the roster. Dude, the Chiefs have so they have many receivers. They have 18 billion receivers. <laughs> and this guy, really? 
Really? Again, here are the receivers the Chiefs have. MVS, Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore. the same reason why I don't think they'll go after DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, those are your top three. Rashi Rice, who used a second-round pick on. You just signed Richie James. You gave Justin Watson a multi-year deal. That is six already right in front of him. And then you see John Ross catching like yep. big passes no, in, the, in some of these things. This is the Chiefs social media propaganda yes. machine. Okay, here's what I will say, though. I actually think this is very, very smart from Peter Schrager. Mm. And here's why. If Justin Ross doesn't even make the Chiefs roster and gets cut or whatever, no one is going to remember or care that he said he was going to have a breakout season. But if Justin Ross makes the Chiefs team and ends up having like some touchdown catches or makes some big impact plays, people are going to be like, dude, this <laughs> Peter Schrager guy is a genius. Yeah, he went from right? undrafted to so there's a, practice there's squad. A very, when, you, when you do takes like this, there's a fine line you can walk to where you make, you make such a stupid claim – but when it does, but if it's so stupid that it just everyone knows it's gonna fail, and then it fails. No one remembers mm-hmm. or cares. That's you a good I'm, point. You see what I'm saying? That's a good no point. No one remembers. So no it's actually remembers. smart. Yes. in a weird That's way. That's what I'm saying. Yes, it's uh. actually smart because if if Justin Ross gets cut and doesn't even make the Chiefs, no one is gonna remember Nobody's that remember. Peter Schrager said he was the top. Because he was nobody's going candidate. to. It's it's not gonna like. Yes, no one cares. Register with people that he got cut. Correct. Exactly. Yes. That's a good point. But then if he breaks out. Boom! Yeah. Genius. No, that's, that's a good idea. So, so like, I guess it can't be that. Kind of on a, on a, on a weird reverse. And to put it at number five, too. Yes. It's like, yeah, exactly. just hide if it in the list. If put him at number two or number yeah. one, then he would have been flamed. But number five, no one cares if he's wrong. So in a weird kind of reverse stupid scale way, it's sort of smart. I still think it's got to go on a stupid scale to some extent, though. So like, a, I don't know, two, I guess, or three? Yeah, I'll give it a three. But it's kind of smart. Again, it's yeah. kind of smart. Okay, uh, last one we got time for here. C.J. Stroud was on some podcast, and he listed his top five quarterbacks. Um, the graphic had them in a certain order that had Jalen Hurts listed first, Mahomes yeah, okay. second. I to don't, be to fair, be clear, I don't know. He didn't actually rank them, I don't think. Yeah, he just said his top five. So I yeah. think some people saw that and was like, oh, Jalen Hurts was first on the graphic. Yeah, no, I, I saw some Chiefs fans. I didn't really first. view Which, it as at that. At this point, if you're a Chiefs fan and you're triggered about it, what, like, dude, like, why? Why? Yeah, yes. you have the Super why? Bowls. Like, why are live you with wasting? That. Um, yes, but nonetheless, four of the five quarterbacks, like Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Joe, Josh Allen, whatever order you want to talk about, he had them in his top five. That's cool. The fifth one, Justin Fields. Okay, okay. So, <laughs> this one, maybe I guess you could say falls in the same line of thought as the Peter Schrager we just talked about. Well, this is just him taking care of his Justin former Fields, college buddy, right? That's true, too. Yeah, I guess that's true. They both went to Ohio State. This, is one of the, but this kind of falls in the same line as the Peter Schrager one, where if Justin Fields is great, then it'll be like, okay, you were right. Good job. And then if he's bad, I don't think anybody would really knock him that much. CJ Stroud. I think this one's a little more... Little more prevalent. It, it, I think it, it could be also just because there's so many great quarterbacks that at this point are firmly above Justin Fields, like yes. a lot of them. Yes, like I mean, we don't even know if majority. Justin Fields will make it through next season as a full time starter. There was a lot of promise he showed. I think I mean, he, he will. I think he probably will. He did, but like he's definitely not, talented and has. It's not a guarantee that Justin Fields is the Bears' starter for more than next year. You don't think so? What if the Bears go four and twelve? I mean, he had what, like seventeen touchdowns or eleven interceptions? I don't really know. good well, runner. Aren't they like they aren't they like semi tanking this year? I I don't know. I don't know what they're trying to do. That whole division's wide open though, so who knows? But yeah, uh, I'll give that one a. I'll go with the. I'll give it a seven. Wow, yeah, think, you think it's pretty stupid? Different. Yeah, wow. I think I think that's the most stupid of any of the ones here for sure. <laughs> There's no way you can logically figure that one out. All right. 
Uh, that'll do it for the Stupid Scale. This is RCST. We have some Hunter Dickinson audio. Spoke with the media yesterday. We'll share that with you on the other side. With Nick Springer, Derek Johnson, this is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Thanks for listening to the Best of RCST podcast. And a reminder, you can catch our show Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 live on KLWN in Lawrence, 101.7 FM, 1320 AM, or anywhere you're online at klwn.com or the KLWN app. Thanks for listening.